Happy Thursday, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Night Minute. Minute 54, to be exact. Now, each week, as you know, the Movies by Minute hosts, me being one, will examine the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy, Into the Night. One minute of screen time per episode. How exciting. Now, of course you know me, I'm Ethan McKinley from the Two Minute Terminator, but we have a new guest today. Uh, Toffer, as you know, started out the week, but I thought, you know what? I'm a fan of this guy. He's got a giant movie brain. And he's got an amazing YouTube channel. And he is, of course, uh, Richard Jackson of the channel Valverde. Now, while you listen to this, folks, go immediately to YouTube. Type in Valverde Broadcasting and hit that uh, subscribe bell twice. Because uh, Richard does movie reviews, commentaries on all things old, new and classic in film. Uh, with his co-host, Duncan Casey. Uh, it's a genius show, I think. And uh, what can I say? The man is here with us now. Richard Jackson, you beautiful man. Say hello. Oh, hello, Ethan. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. I, I like that intro a lot. Thank you. Uh, it saves me from having to do any of that. Do everything that Ethan said, please. I'll be very <laughs> grateful. <laughs> well, the reason I asked you onto this show, because I think your channel's amazing, and you seem to know, or well, more than, well, you've forgotten more than I will ever know about films. So with that in mind, I thought, you've not seen this film, and listeners, this is how committed Richard was. He said, okay, I want to see the film. So he's seen a copy of the film now. Uh, he's seen mm -hmm. the minute in question, which is minute 54. Mm -hmm. And to those following along with the movie, uh, minute 54 starts with Jeff Goldblum's Ed Oaken saying, I think you just did. And uh, it ends with Michelle Pfeiffer saying, Hamid Said, take care of everything. Oh, my God. And now we're here in that minute space. So, Richard, uh, you saw this film. I've said on previous episodes, the last two for this week that I'm covering, uh, this is one of my favorite films I can't justify why, because it's certainly mm -hmm. not the best John Landis film, but I know you have an insight into all things John Landis, and I thought you might be the perfect person to uh, <laughs> tell me what you thought of the film. <laughs> okay. Oh, and um, by the well, way, yeah. listeners, he turned down a Bowie minute. That's what I would like <laughs> to cover. I thought, oh, there's a bit of dialogue between David Bowie and stuff, and uh, he was like, no, I want the other two. I was like, all right, fair enough. I want the other two minutes, yeah. David's Bowie. Why did you oh, skip the Bowie minute? Um, did you... You're not a fan, or I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just, do you know what? I'm, seemed too I'm not easy. the. Yeah, it felt like that could just spiral into a into a Bowie discussion, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not the world's biggest. I prefer Bowie probably as an actor than as a musician. I'm one of these people that I, do, I don't dislike his music. I'm just not nuts about it in a way people tend to be. He does a really great performance in this. I really liked him in this actually. He's got what? a great kind of skeezy, icy thing going. I did on. mention um, it in the last episode that I think in this scene, which is hauntingly weird to me. Uh, does Ricky does he act exactly like David yes Brent? yes he does he does I, so weird I nearly it? that's so funny I, I thought do you know what I that's so funny I watched it and I thought I'm not going to bring that up because it feels like a weird thing to say but yeah he's got a real Ricky Gervais vibe and when I do you remember in um the prestige when he turns up playing Nikola Tesla I do he kind of looks like he's wearing a Ricky Gervais skin suit in that <laughs> there's I don't know if yeah, I don't know what the line is. I wouldn't be surprised if Gervais was like a Bowie fan. But yeah, he really... It's like the awkward me... smile and the laugh, isn't it? And the bearing of the teeth. It's very kind of the the way mm. Ricky Gervais must have studied him. I don't know, but it's so weird and uncanny. Because in the minute that I've chosen not to discuss, which we're now discussing, um, <laughs> he does all of those kind of Gervais ticks. 
The only reason I'm saying really is I don't want to think I'm like... crazy for seeing that. And I, the the last, well, Toffrey was my co-host from uh, Was It Worth It? He said, oh, my God, yes. And now you're saying it. So I just yeah, I didn't I want to bring it up. I be the only I'm one. <laughs> That's all. No, I'm I'm feeling insanely validated by that, Ethan. So I didn't want to bring it up, and now I'm we, just going to make. Yeah, it's move true. On from the, yeah, we can move on from the from the thin white duke and the the little fat white. I don't know. Well, that killed the conversation, um, Lord. I don't know. No, anyway, In, anyway, your, uh, anyway, aristocratic aristocratic category there. So you saw the film, Richard. Talk to me. What's going mm. on? Well. Uh, I didn't even know this film existed through whichever, for some reason. Um, I've never seen it on TV. I've never kind of heard it spoken about in particular. I've never really seen even a poster for it. Mm. And uh, I've seen virtually everything John Landis has done, not because I'm some kind of huge, huge fan. There are certain films of his that I really love, but I haven't. I never kind of sought out John Landis's stuff. It just was easy to watch, and I've watched virtually all of it. I think I think I said earlier, apart from the stupids, I don't think I've ever watched. Yeah. You know, because I've even watched like Blues Brothers 2000. Um, Never you know, seen Burke and Hare. I have. Um, I would probably save yourself a bit of effort. It's not Landis Cannon. It's not Landis Cannon. It has got. I never thought uh, I'd be able to discuss the fact that John Landis directed Ronnie Corbett, but there you go. He did. <laughs> it's, it's John Landis's raw deal, like Steeler Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that's that's the one. Yeah, it's the between the gaps. Sealess uh, Landis. Lateral damage. Raw um, deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Films that feel like they were intended for somebody else. Like, Raw Deal was meant for Charles Bronson, I'm convinced. It feels like such a Bronson film. Wait, they uh, gave me a Raw Deal. <laughs> right? Exactly. Instead of, like, dog drink and bake. Well, that was because uh, I think De Laurentiis had had him over a barrel with uh, Total Recall, wasn't it? That's why Schwarzenegger, I think, did a Raw Deal. He was completing a, a, a three-picture deal. I think that was his second one, maybe. Oh, uh, it's contractual because if it's De Laurentiis that would be Conan as well wouldn't it as uh, yeah he did the Conan, Conan pictures with with, with old good old Dino um yeah look, you know I in among the Landis films I'll be perfectly honest with you and I, it's difficult because I know how much you you love this film or like this film irresistibly well I mean in your defense or anyone listening uh I can't justify why I like this I do, it's like a dr it's got a very slow lackadaisical dreamlike quality I mean not a lot happens mm. but it kind of does I don't yeah. know. It's early Goldblum. He hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't attained that like Pacino esque. After like Pacino did Scent of a Woman, and after Tom Hardy did kind of uh, Bronson, that informed them just being Tom Hardy or hoo ha Al Pacino. After that, I think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this was pre Fly. I think before kind of Goldblum that hinge, hinge wristed <laughs> praying mantis eccentric that we see now. <laughs> Yeah, and he's quite well. The thing, yeah, I found it to be quite flat. I mean, I, I like, I do like a slow-paced film, like you say, with that kind of lackadaisical pace. I do, I do like that, but it, it's kind of a bit slow and a bit flat. And him, I quite liked a lot of things about his character. He's not unlikable. He's just kind of a bit empty. You know, there's, he seems a bit dead, dead behind the eyes, whereas Goldblum often is quite sparkly. I mean, in a broad strokes thing, it's it's not a parody, but it's. It's. I would call it a comedy noir. You know, it has loads. Oh of no, we were spot on. That's what they have actually you know, called it. The idea was to create, a, I guess, a modern for that time anyway, film noir. But I think it clashed. Right. I think I sent you a clip with Mark Commode mentioning this that two other films came out that year. Uh, Something wild. I think is it Jonathan Demi. I'm not sure. I think so. And uh, mm -hmm. Scorsese's After Hours. I've only I've only seen After Hours, but they're very much set on the same night. It's one guy you know, getting drawn into this kind of dark and weird world with different characters crossing his path and stuff. So they're very almost similar. It's, yeah. 
I it's classic. Heard... I do, I'm, I'm afraid I didn't watch the commode thing. I didn't have time. I do apologise. It's okay. Well, you didn't need to. That's why I got um, you on. Because I just thought you will have something to say about this, and uh, <laughs> like not even seeing the film, I think you would have uh, <laughs> uh, had something to say anyway. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I watched it. I mean, because it, it uh, the other thing, um, yeah. Well, basically, it's, it's kind of a comedy noir, and it does all that stuff. is It's very strange. It's strangely paced. Mm. Um, it's. It's. I mean, one of the kind of things of film noir that comes up a bit, and I think it was Frank Krutnik that I got this from, but um, it, at, like when you do a noir, to a lot of people, setting it in L- in LA is one of the ingredients. And you can mm. set a noir. You could set a noir in <laughs> Luton, but you know this is an LA film, and and LA is like considered the film of of noir in lots of circles and in lots of theory and this and what you do is then explore that city at street level and it's this kind of flat decentralized city and it's a post-nuclear city you've heard of that concept in in eccentric planning yeah right so it's a post-nuclear city so it's all decentralized so you have all these kind of scenes where people kind of beat the street and it's all flat and low level and but it's kind of west coast so it's all sort of dry but it's at night so it's a bit sweaty it has all of that kind of stuff and that kind of look to it um the other thing as well is the nuts list of cameos in it. Because, um, like, Landis 22, is in I it. think, and 17 directors and then 22 people like uh, Rick Baker and stuff. Rick Baker, Jim, uh, Jim Henson, Don Siegel, the guy who wrote Yes Minister. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, there's... you spotted Jonathan Lee. We mentioned him in the last... He's the tailor, isn't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 And, and Jonathan Dem's in it as well, who you mentioned the a moment MD, ago. The, the cop. And yeah, Jake Steinfeld, the Muscle Man. He was uh, the very cl- the well at the time, like yes. the celebrity workout guy, body by Jake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, I mean, it's been it's, said. Oh, and David David Cronenberg as well as one of the aerospace engineers. Exactly, and old Danny. Uh, uh, I've forgotten his name then. Dan uh, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, Aykroyd, of course, at the start. Yeah, and obviously Landis the hooker himself. Michelle. Didi Pfeiffer. Bruce McGill. Um, yes, D-Day from, from Star now. Trek Voyager. <laughs> oh, of course you'd say Star Trek. Uh, time Cop as well. He's in Bruce McGill, uh, and like my cousin Vinny. But he's like the Time Cop. He, no, where well, he he plays like a Federation Time Cop in Star Trek Voyager, is that, which is what I'm gonna. Yeah. The reason I'm uh, laughing at that, gonna... listeners, is because if you do go to uh, Richard's channel, even though he claims it's his brother that knows all this stuff, he is uh, the an expert. Well, I would like to say of uh, all things Star Trek. Yeah, my brother's the mothership. The sort You're the British yeah. Mike Stowe classer from Red Letter Media. <laughs> that's that is very flattering. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like I don't think Mike Stowe class has ever had to buy any food with nectar points, <laughs> but sure, I'll take it. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking to all these cameos we're talking about, uh, legend has it is all these people came out in solidarity with Landis because it was his first film after the Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes, and he had to go off and do. He was summoned to court for the trial during mm. the shoot. Apparently, um, I know. Which... I know he kind of got off, if that's the right way of saying it. Uh, wasn't what was that? <laughs> he didn't get <laughs> off on the uh, the deaths of uh, you know Vic Morrow and uh, Asian children. I didn't mean it. Uh, that's senseless. Those two. Anyway. <laughs> but he so, wasn't. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> You're right. He wasn't. Uh, he was. Was he acquitted? It was something. I don't know. I, I should have looked into the. He was. Bill, I but... think he was acquitted. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, it was manslaughter. So I think it was kind of like a not guilty verdict, as far as I know. I mean, that's a very that. Unfortunately, you know, that is. Uh, I, I I would like to think when someone says John Landis, you would think Blues Brothers, not Infanticide. 
Let, let you go. <laughs> um, it's that kind of lingering thing with John Landis, isn't it? The, uh, I've got actually behind me on the shelf. I have a book by John Landis. It was a kind of uh, every page says any monsters book that he did, a big coffee table book. Uh, sorry. Oh, I know, with the American oh, Werewolf on the front. The yeah, American Werewolf on the cover and stuff like that. You know, yeah. So that's unfortunate. That, you know, that is inextricably linked with Landis. But, um, well, I actually saw a, a report. Oh, God, I've, I've looked trolled the internet. I used to, there was this hour-long like interview where he talks about how he kind of snuck into uh, oh God, where was it? Hungary on, on 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 the underside of that train to get onto the Kelly's Heroes set. Uh, but the mm. guy did actually mention Twilight Zone, and Landis got super kind of frosty. Went, "Why are we talking about that?" And then he like that kind of ended the interview. Essentially, I'm trying to find it so I can kind of uh, you know send. To oh, nice. Basically. Yeah. I mean, are we just for the? Are we assuming that everyone at home knows about John Landis and the Twilight Zone? I would have is imagined because we're on episode fifty-four now, so other oh, I see. people. And so this has been mentioned done, fifty-three times previously. So. It was mentioned on the first episode, which I listened to yesterday. They're okay. Not as far as I should. Okay. I would assume they have, but. Uh, well, that's what I mean. It's so linked with him, unfortunately. You know, and at the moment, time is the current time is Sun being a, a douchebag is also the, the the going Landis discussion. You know, there you go. Um, according to some, I don't. I don't have. What happened to the American Werewolf remake that they were doing? I didn't even know that was on the cards. I'm not having heard you said that. I'm not surprised they were doing one, but I didn't. Oh yeah, because apparently he's written a new version of it, and he wanted to kind of uh, have that as his first directorial kind of baby, essentially. And then it's all just kind of gone away. But I'm not sure if the kind of potential. Uh, the nerd furor in the internet or the, the potential backlash is maybe what? perhaps dropped it or even John Max, Land Max Landis it. was going to do it. Okay, okay. Interesting. Did you ever see uh, American Werewolf in Paris? I did when it came out in 97. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I barely remember. I know the CGI was terrible even for then. Mm -hmm. I know Julie Delp yeah. is in it and Tom, oh my God, what's his name? Tom someone. Anyway. Man, you've... you've yeah, you know, you seem to know that more intimately than I do. That's that's for sure. <laughs> I know it stank when I saw it, and I regretted seeing it at the movies, at the cinema. Mm. But uh, well, I was I, I was thinking a little bit watching this about certain things that I would consider kind of John Landis flair or John Landis tropes, you know, and I definitely think sort of one thing. It's kind of high farce, but it's also kind of crowd scene spectacle, mm. you know. Because like I, if you look at the like the Blues Brothers, it sort of works in spite of itself. Because it's it clearly, and if you listen to like the, if you ever read up on any of the kind of scripting process on that, I mean Dan Aykroyd is just mental and puts all this nut stuff into scripts that has to come out. It's a long movie, and it's basically kind of works in spite of itself because it's clearly this mess that was just sort of thrown together. But it's also sort of an epic. I mean, it's not like a David Lean film, but the whole finale to the Blues Brothers with all that chasing and all those cops. And the Illinois Nazis, and all to go and get a bit of paper outside, and then Spielberg turns up in that, and the whole mall chase with John <laughs> yeah. Candy, yeah, yeah, the Cook right? County Assessor, the Cook County Assessor, exactly. There's lots of kind of big crowd scenes and sort of lavishly staged kind of set pieces in Landis films. So Coming to America has all the kind of crazy African palace stuff, and then uh, there's like the parties and things in uh, Trading Places. Obviously, got Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers 2000, Winthorpe. and this is a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah, I've, eating I've, a salmon out of his trading, like that. trading Places is such a good movie it's such a good film um, that's probably like possibly peak Landis I don't know well but, yeah um, I think you're right because this does seem like a kind of very subtle 
I may, oh, maybe he's just trying to keep his head down because of like the recent, in light of the recent events, maybe with the Twilight Zone. Because I think Spies Like Us is the same year, and that's loaded with cameos as well. Mm. But he, that seems like you know, raw deal Landis versus kind of Predator Landis, if you'll. <laughs> you know Predator I mean? Landis. It's, it's not a Landis, is it? And uh, yeah, I got for the most part. I've got to say, for the most part, I just this. I just didn't think it was funny. And most Landis stuff has got that kind of wry sense of humour that I always like. Because there are bits in this that, are like this, the bit, um, cause there's I a whole bit on a film set where the, it's all about kind of artifice, right? So he tries real, to yeah. answer the fake phone and they walk off. And then the bit when there's the beauty queens and he goes, I laughed out loud when he goes to lean on the wall and just and goes through, through the wall. And then he sits in the boulder. <laughs> yes, he's a great bit of shtick, like really great bit of shtick. But the rest of it, for the most part, just kind of wasn't that funny. You know it's also I mean? weirdly and dark when they kind of drown. Sorry, spoilers. If you if you actually, if you listen to this show and watching the film one minute at a time, what's wrong with you? Watch the entire film. But when they drown the beauty queen, like uh, the Iranian guest star pair guys, one of which being obviously John Landis, and they just go in like she runs out of the, the apartment in Malibu, and they just drown her in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I, that which and is then super there's the dark, cut of but it's dark lying the, there. Yeah. But they it's, shoot the parrot. That, yeah. That's funny. That's Landis. <laughs> they shoot the, actually as well. And when they shot the dogs. Well. Yeah. It's all right. It's a nice it... dog. Do you know who that is, by the way? No. Uh, that's Jack Arnold, who directed Tarantula, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, and all those kind of 50s atomic weird oh, sci-fi of the 40s of, and 50s. It yeah, because like what was, um, what was uh, John Landis's parody beam of it? It's like Amazon Women, Women on, on the, the moon, moon, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of like, he's like Joe Dante in that respect i think he's from that kind of age group that grew up with that sort of stuff so i think that's a kind of base kind of reference yeah for that for that era of directors and, yeah landis was the the monster movie era wasn't he mm. well, well dante goes in on that as well with body snatchers and stuff and gremlins um there's a running joke with uh john landis john landis's comic shtick and this is really bad i think um, I just don't think he handles it very. I don't think he's that funny. But there's a running gag that he, he solves literally every problem with his gun. So <laughs> shoots the parrot, shoots the dog. There's a thing when you know the dude pulls that bit of food out, and then John Landis cracks it with the butt of his gun. And there's a bit where he keeps hitting himself in the in the face with the door, so he shoots the door a bunch of times and stuff like that. That's good. You know, that's good. For the most part, he was doing kind of like mugging and flopping around and bumbling and stuff. But um, there are a few bits of it that work, but the kind of running joke of him. And the thing is as well, I get perverse pleasure with, well, this is going to sound really bad, but you know, like p for some reason, people are really f***ing precious about dogs dying in films. So like, you know, in I Am Legend, when the dog dies, everyone's kind of like, oh no, not the dog. And it's kind of like when I see a bunch of people shooting a dog to death for no reason, I take perverse pleasure from it and find it really funny. Just because I know it's going to annoy a whole section of the audience. <laughs> it's only a movie, folks. It's only a movie. Actually, you know that... one good bit where Stacey Pickering, who was John Voigt's girlfriend, who he left his wife for at the time, uh, who's playing Ed mm -hmm. Oaken's wife as the affair, when she puts mm. the breakfast down, he, he takes one bit of egg on his fork and then he just leaves and takes the plates away as if she's leaving for work. I like that bit. I, I, that really stuck out to me straight away because it just seems like, I get it, I get it, it's kind of funny, but it doesn't make any sense. Why would she take his breakfast away? No it's kind of just a gag isn't it but she like he sits down and she goes oh it's time for me to go to work so you can't eat and just walks off with his food which I kind of liked but it kind of confused me in equal measure <laughs> <laughs> so 
I think we've said all we can say about this one minute, I believe. I mean, Jeff Gordon mm. is outside Tiffany's, of course. We covered that in the last episode. Uh, Bowie, of course, has left uh, for now. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this one minute, Mr. Richard Jackson of Valverde Broadcasting on YouTube, you genius? Uh, oh, well, no thank pressure. You, thank you very much, you sexy, sexy man. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all right. Like, I like the bit when the man shot the parrot or whatever. In, in, the, <laughs> Landi in the Landis Pantheon, where would you kind of put this? I mean, I know it's at like the bottom yeah. rung, but what's the worst Landis film? I, I've seen The Stupids, but I can barely remember it. I might well, have thing, to put I this and Spies Like Us at the bottom. In the, mm. the esteemed company of, like, like you said, uh, trading places coming to America. <sighs> American Werewolf. Yeah. I, I, always but just, I always think to say Animal House, but that's Ivan Reitman, isn't it? I think Landis produced it, right? No, no, I think he directed Animal House. Hold on, let me check Oh, maybe that. Ivan Reitman produced Animal House. Yeah, he directed Animal House. Okay, yeah, um, there we go. Kentucky Fried Movie? Well, well, I tell you what, man. Like, uh, I call, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Kentucky Fried Movie, actually. I, I do quite like that one. <laughs> Burke, and, Burke and Hare. Oh, yes, yeah, back to Burke and Hare. How was it, that? Well, it, I just, if, that. if we... It's this just kind of weird, because it's, you know, it's factually based, but it's this kind of weirdly bland kind of knockabout. I mean, I can't, I can barely remember it. It left, because I went out of my way to watch it, because I was kind of like, okay, this is weird. This is John Landis essentially making a British movie, kind of. Uh, so I went out of my way to watch it. And you the know, last Andy time we did that, it was, a, it was a corker. <laughs> yes, yeah, it always pans out, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, I, uh, it's just this bland, forgettable, and because it's based on true events about grave robbing, it's a bit like this. Bet this needs to be really funny for you to justify its existence. I mean, I would put that down the bottom. Blues Brothers two thousand, man. I mean, that is. Oh God, poor. yeah, I forgot that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of those things because you would look at it and you would just think he hadn't directed it. I've never actually seen. You that. would look at that and go. I <laughs> one of the... in it and John Goodman and I oh you know yeah, it was John a choice Goodman. between seeing that at the time with my girlfriend and Breakdown with Kurt Russell oh yeah J T yeah, Walsh and I thought I'd choose Breakdown directed by uh, the right choice directed by Jonathan Mostow isn't it uh, yes you yeah. went on to such great heights with Terminator three Terminator three Rise and U five seven one. Uh, uh, well, Blue, Blues Brothers 2000, I remember Lee and Herring, uh, the great you know, great comedians, Stuart Lee and Rich Herring, they used to do a thing on their show called Extra Final Scenes. And when Blues Brothers 2000 came out, they did an extra final scene from Blues Brothers 2000. And it was the Blues Brothers going to John Belushi's grave and urinating on it. And then bloodstained money flies out of the grave. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I've never seen a better summation of Blues Brothers 2000. So I mean, that's rock bottom. You know, that's rock bottom, isn't it? I think. Yeah. It's got to be kind of rock bottom for Landis. I've uh, I've also never seen Oscar. That's the comedy mob <gasps> one. Oh with God, Stallone. Stallone, of course. I didn't. I mm, forgot he does mm. direct that, doesn't he? I've only seen Oscar once. I remember yeah. liking it at the time. It's like a French farce, but not. I think uh, my favourite. I I can talk about it more in the next episode because we were supposed to be wrapping up. But he my favourite Landis is probably Three Amigos. Oh my God, he did that as well? Really? Yeah, I, I adore Three Amigos. I, I watched it again recently, having not watched it for a while. Still uh, Because it was a childhood thing. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. There's so much great shtick in it, and that cast is amazing, and there are loads of great little gags, and fourth wall breaks, <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, it's fucking, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful film. Um, but this one, yeah, kind of middle bottom rung, I guess. Yeah. I, I put it around there somewhere. This is not maybe this is good. Running Man then, not Raw Deal. Oh, oh, I don't know, man. Running Man gets gets mad props from me. We just did an episode of Running Man, actually. It's not out yet. Um, 
So that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, if we're, if we're applying it to this strange Schwarzenegger template. Well, I, you know what I always say? The Swayze canon. So when you think of Patrick Swayze, you go, what Patrick Swayze films? And people always go, Ghost, Dirty Dancing, Point Break, and I think there's, and, and Roadhouse. It'll be all four of those, mm. or at least three of them. This is still dawn. Yes. <laughs> this is definitely still done. <laughs> like, it's not offensively bad, but it's kind of dull, and you sort of That's, wonder yeah, when more people weird. haven't heard of it. And um, by the way, I don't know why the Minute, I guess, group chose to do this film, because no one I know has seen it, you included, until yesterday. I don't know why I like it. It's not the best film of all time. It's certainly not the best John Lannis film, but I seem to watch this more than any of his other films. I don't know why. I Well, like I said, man, I've seen, I think apart from the stupids in Oscar... I think I've seen virtually all of his yeah. uh, features, and, I, and I've seen when you brought this up, Oscar, you like that? Well, I, I'd even heard of it I'd, until last week. I'd never even heard of the fucking thing, and then I find out it's got bloody um, Don, like Don Siegel in it, and Jim Henson, and Rick Baker, and yeah. David Cro David Cronenberg. I was just like, what the fuck? That's why I kind of did a bit of reading about it, and then That's when, you, got the when you were like. Let's look at the fly, yeah. I just had to watch it. When I when I found out about singing and you were like, oh, you should watch it, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to make the time this afternoon. I'm going to sit down and watch it before we record um, and take a few hours to digest it and stuff. And well, I mentioned, I think, I think on Monday's show that the cameos in this, basically when you get like cameos in a film, it's like, oh, look, The Rock showed up playing that crazy ice cream man for five minutes. Everyone in the audience goes, oh, look, it's The Rock. With this, the cameos in this aren't for the audience almost. They're like, for mm. like... <laughs> You know, if you're on the super inside of the industry, almost like you recognise, obviously, I'm shocked you felt like recognised Don Siegel. Well done, you. I didn't see him. I knew he was in it, but I still can't see him. But mm. like you said, like Jim Henson, and I recognise Rick Baker <coughs> and Dee Dee Pfeiffer, and uh, is it Paul Mazursky, who was a producer who plays uh, the beauty queen's, I guess, boyfriend slash, you know, sugar daddy, whatever that gets his parrot oh, shot. Clue, Clue Gallagher as well. Clue, yes, it, from uh, he, he, the FBI guy who takes dead. the money. Return Living Dead, Dead, yeah. Street 2, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Who's still around mm -hmm. and still like crazy as ever and yeah, rambunctious in interviews. He's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've, he's, he's in there. Um, Return Living Dead, Doc. He's a, he's a hoot, man. Bless him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's mad. I'm, I, again, I, I'm not in a hurry to watch it again. It's one of those things I would suggest people to watch. Um, if you're a complete, but as a complete outsider <laughs> to it. If you if you're a Landis completist, yeah, you, if you, you went into go for blockbusters it, ten years going, I really like Michelle Pfeiffer, and you go, sir, can I recommend? <laughs> yeah, they the take you take you to a back room where two blockbuster employees have to turn keys simultaneously, and the vault opens, and, and Grease Two comes up on like a little plinth, and it, <laughs> it, it opens like a flower, and inside it is Into the Night. Oh, Grease Two, uh, Maxwell Caulfield, well, who's know, now in a show called uh, Holby City, or was at least for a few years. He was in Holby. Yeah, I was going to say there's that Venn diagram, the, the 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 Venn diagram that only ever worked once. That's one side is Max Caulfield and the other side is Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only time it ever happened. Oh, he's in Empire Records as well, isn't he, Max Caulfield? He's had a strange career. He's had such a strange career, that man. He really has. But um, so anyway, that's gone on a tangent, hasn't and it? We anyway, lost the signal. There's a secret room. There's a oh, secret room in. Sorry, the back you of have to repeat that for the last ten seconds. I just lost your signal, my friend. I'm uh, so sorry. sorry. I, 
I went quiet when Skype was going mad. Oh, I was just continuing the kind of flight of fancy about uh, copies of Into the Night being <laughs> kind of guarded in, in branches of Blockbuster around the country. Um, <laughs> yes, anyway. Well, there we have it, folks. That was minute uh, 54. So I do hope you enjoyed the Thursday show with Richard Jackson. Uh, he strong army into doing minute uh, 55. So he's going to be back tomorrow for another show. So maybe we can ring out some more, you know, movie truths and Landis-isms uh, uh, from tomorrow's show, of course. Now, if you are a fan of the Minute shows, thank you. Uh, if you are a fan of Into the Night, thank you. Let's go bowling sometime. I'll be going alone, I'm sure, though. However, there are over 130, would you believe this, Richard, 130 Minute shows out there now covering pretty much any film I guess you can think of. Mm. And I, I can only assume some are completely under the radar because now they've got... Uh, into the night into their pantheon but uh obviously if you're actually listening to this show you know about it so why don't you tell a friend tell a relative tell a loved one maybe they would like into the night or predator or some other film in that 130 you know library so if you want to uh, listen to the show go to nightminute.com that's where you can that's the official site of the show uh you can also find the show on itunes and i think google play now we've got rid of uh, that information let's get to the real information richard jackson you movie genius uh where can people find you social media wise and where can they find your amazing show i know it's valverde broadcasting but mm -hmm. do your thing sir oh thank you very much i will do my best to, to kind of uh, to pimp this it's uh, we don't have a, a, a dot com rating at the moment if you want to go on twitter we're uh, at valverde tweets um if you go to youtube just type in valverde broadcasting you'll find us every monday we have a show called it ain't it ain't broke which is a kind of 30 minute discussion freeform chat about different movies uh, you can just look up valverde broadcasting on facebook we've just adopted the persona of uh exiled communist dictators of the, the fictional country of valverde which was created by the screenwriter Stephen e. D'Souza. so if you do come across our page and it does look like the propaganda ministry of a fictional communist nation that is the point please don't be confused well if you're a real uh, film nerd you'll know what valverde is if you don't just google it but uh <laughs> indeed yeah indeed there's a wikipedia but i say just whack you know put valverde broadcasting into google and and come check us out and and if you like what you see give us a subscribe give us a follow or whatever and and we hope that you do well i'm sure they will man, because like you said these kind of i mean back in the day one would watch tv and you'd have a talking heads program of two very obviously people steeped in film law sitting in armchairs discussing uh, films and I mean you've taken that I think I think to the next level the, 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 it's like shot in 4k it looks amazing you're in these couches you're talking about very specific films I think the thing is the last one I watched but you kind of you cover it all mm. really you've got these uh, making arms you've got little reviews you've got just you talking about stuff yeah, yeah, they're a little random. So our main shows on Mondays, but we do kind of little random flights of fancy. We do mini docs as well. So I did one on the life of George Romero. I've got one coming up on the kind of I've got I've, I've dedicated a whole mini doc to the 1990 remake of Night of Living Dead, which is kind of in the style of what we've just done. And 2000 so AD, which is I think one one of the first ones I think you did, where it was just you talking about. Uh, yes. Yeah, that that was on a different channel that that no longer exists on the internet, unfortunately. Oh, but um, yeah, that you know, comics are kind of a thing as well. I'd say the main, th you know, our Monday show it ain't broke. That's you know, that's supposedly the flagship show. We also do uh, audio commentary tracks to movies. Um, I, our main show is kind of yeah, like you say, it's kind of a cross between those old kind of shows you'd catch late night in Channel Four, and and then kind of Adam and Joe show because it's all made zero budget in my front room. 
and we light it nicely and try and record the sound of BJ nicely and stuff like that. Um, if you're so a fan of green and blue made. and red gels, folks, this show is for you. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if you're a fan of yellow, not so much. I do own one, but I tend not to use it because it tends to make everything look a little bit pissy, which I'm not mad about <laughs> as, as, a, as a design choice. Um, so yeah, if, you, if you're so inclined, please uh, please come check us out. We'd, we'd love to have you. Yeah, go on there, hit that red uh, subscribe button twice and you'll get updates whenever, like, like you said, every Monday you've got a show out for sure and then you've got all these other little kind of spin-off knickknacks and little treasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and folks, if you like me, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is uh, Questionable EMCQ, uh, the three letters there, and you can find me on Instagram at EMCQ1. Uh, you can obviously keep up with uh, the thing I'm currently filming, which is Dark Ditties on uh, Amazon. So if you want to go on Amazon Prime, type in Dark Ditties, you can see me <coughs> doing some acting and, and or stuff. But in the meantime, listeners, you've been wonderful. Thank you all for listening, and we shall return tomorrow with... Minute 55. Will it be like watching paint dry? We don't know. We're going to try and fill the minute with a a, a plethora of our uh, knowledge of information. So we'll see you then, folks. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category. 